now we get to go practice what Jesus preached. So there's uh, an internet abbreviation some of you have maybe heard before. It's three letters, I-R-L. Does anybody know what that means? Nora? It means in real life. That's right. So, in real life. It's a acronym used, abbreviation used to separate out the differences between those people we know only online and those we know in the real world, face-to-face, live, in real life, IRL. And this distinction is important because in this day and age, the anonymity of the Internet means we can say things and be things and do things that we would never do in real life. Maybe about a year ago, I watched a video of men who had written a bunch of negative comments about women sportscasters to read the offensive comments they had written to the the actual woman who they wrote it about face-to-face. They put them across from each other and asked him to do it, read it to her, and most of them could not do it. They couldn't get through the things they had written when they were sitting in front of the person they had written it about. There is something about... Real life connections, face to face, real life interactions. Even more than texting or getting on the phone with people, face to face, being connected with people as real life human beings, not just words on a screen or a voice on the phone, is so important. Now I know that Jesus was not talking about internet friendships and the danger of being so connected but also so isolated when he was talking to his disciples in today's gospel. But I found this little pep talk about what it means to be disciples so relevant to today. It's kind of hard as you listen to both of these texts to miss the repeated words from the gospel and the letter from 1 John. One of those repeated words is abide. Now, we may have noticed it because it's not that common of a word in our language today, right? Abide. In the rare times we hear it, it's used as a word for to bear or to tolerate, right? For example, I'll abide by their decision. As I was reminded at the first service, also the dude abides, which if you watch The Big Lebowski, you got that. And if you've never watched that movie, you didn't get that. And that's okay. But that is not what it means in the Bible. The Greek word for abide is meno, and it means to stay or to wait or to remain. Now, we do not use the word abide in this way at all. When a friend or a partner is about to leave our home, we don't say, no, don't go abide with me, right? That sounds weird, right? It sounds very weird, actually, now that I say it. In Scripture, this word is often used to conjure up images of connection, of belonging, of mutuality, and of relationship. I want to stay close to you, God. Abide with me. The disciples asked Jesus to abide with them. Don't go, Jesus. Stay with us. So there is something important about this abiding. Since we heard this word so many times, we know there's something important. I think abiding is sort of the IRL of Scripture. In real life, we want to stay together. In real life, we are asked to remain with God as God remains with us. Not a superficial, controlled relationship like we so often have on the Internet, 
but a real connection. Now, this section of scripture has been misused and mistranslated so many times, often to threaten and cause fear. So I want to be very clear here this morning. God's abiding is not contingent on our abiding. So God's abiding with us, God's staying connected to us, God's relationship with us is not dependent on our connection to God. In verse 4 of today's gospel, Jesus says, Abide in me as I abide in you. That is not a conditional statement. God's abiding, God's connection to us is a thing that has already happened and continues to happen. Jesus says, remain close to me, in relationship with me, just as I have already done and am doing for you. Now Jesus uses the lovely imagery of vine and branches, mostly because it is an image that his disciples readily understand, even if we, as modern-day Minnesotans, don't have a lot of vineyard experience, right? Jesus is the vine, we are the branches. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Again, this lovely image is so misunderstood here as well. This is not meant to be a threat, like, hey, stay with me or I'll cut you off forever. Though I can understand how this can feel this way when you hear it. It feels like a threat when abiding or remaining or being connected is a thing we have to do or God won't do it back to us. But since we already know now that that is not the case in this text, that God has already connected with us, then this next part becomes not a threat, but a recognition of the reality of what happens when we disconnect ourselves from the vine. When we don't stay. When we let the world tell us who we are instead of God tell us who we are. When we act on behalf of our own best self-interest instead of on the self, on the best interests of others. When we don't remain with God, we wither. It's not a threat. It's the biological reality within the metaphor Jesus used this morning. Think of it this way. If you only had simply only internet friends, Like, people you have never met in real life, people who were still supportive and still kind and really nice to you, but you never, they never gave you a hug or held your hand or sat with you while you cried, never spoke to you face to face, never really knew who you really are, what would happen? See, the cost of isolation is withering. When we disconnect from community, from people, from life, we wither. See, over and over again, research tells us the more time we spend online, the more anxiety we have, and the rates of depression go up, and the more our real-life relationships suffer. This is also what happens when we disconnect from God. Sure, you can survive, but you wither a bit. This brings us to the two other words that are repeated a lot in today's text, love and fruit. The gospel used the word fruit six times in just eight verses. And each time, 
fruit is the result of staying connected to the vine. Again, a withered branch can exist but won't produce fruit. The disciples knew exactly what Jesus meant when he was using this metaphor. Jesus wanted them to understand what happens when you do abide. Not when you don't. That wasn't the point. He was saying when you do abide, the result is fruit. Which, of course, we know is a metaphor, right? Because we aren't branches and we don't actually grow fruit. So then what fruit is Jesus talking about? The fruit of staying connected to the vine is love. John's first letter that Stacy read to us helps us with this sense it is generally assumed by scholars to be written by the same John that wrote the gospel. And John says, we, in his letter, we abide in God and God in us. And those hearing this letter would go right back to this gospel text and be like, I know exactly what he's talking about. They would remember that abide means to remain like a vine and in branches. The result is fruit. John continues by saying, God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God and God in them. That verse is up on the screen because I think it is the key verse in today's scripture. God is love. Don't understand God, big nebulous God, somewhere up there. We don't really understand who God is. God is love. And those who abide, who stay with love, Stay with God and God with them. I think this is John's mic drop moment for the early church. How we know God is by and with and through love. And sure, we logically we know this, right? We've always heard that we need to love people. We always have heard this from Sunday school on through adulthood. We know that we don't have to love God in order to do the right and loving thing, correct? But John says this important moment, when you are connected to God, when you're in relationship with God, how that shows is through love. What shows up in the world when you are connected to God is love. This section of scripture is a moment where John makes clear that love is a defining characteristic of Christ followers. If you abide, if you are near, if you are in a relationship with God, then love is what happens. Love is the fruit. God is love. If you stay close to God, you are close to love. And when you love others, you are close to God. This is profoundly beautiful. How we see God is how we love each other. At our last Ask the Pastors a few weeks ago, one of our fifth graders with more courage than most of the adults in the room stood up and said, why don't we get to see or hear God anymore? Today, John said, no one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us. See, the way we experience God is by loving others. And others experience God in how we love them. Now, this seems like a hard task in this day and age. I know. To love each other seems like a hard ask. 
And the less we connect with each other in real life, the easier it is to stop loving each other. Because it's easy to not love who you don't know. Theologian and professor Donna, Dr. Donna Coltrane Battle said, Thank goodness God didn't ask us to like each other. God asked us to love each other. You don't have to like someone to do the right and loving thing for them. Now let me tell you, I was so freed by that. Because I'm going to be really honest here, I find it downright impossible to like some people. But even to those I don't like, even for those I vehemently disagree with on every possible topic, there is always, always a way to do the loving thing. And we can do this loving thing because we have experienced this kind of love from God. God's love and connection to us creates love and connection to others. We love because God first loved us. Lutheran Pastor David Lowe said, part of what Jesus is saying is that by being connected to him, we are also able, even free, to be connected to each other. Because finally what Jesus invites us to do is to be real, to be honest about who and what we are, even if that means admitting our penchant to flee the light and hide in the darkness because we are afraid. Jesus invites us to be honest, to be real, and having confessed our hopes and fears, our dreams and disappointment, our accomplishment and failures, our blessing and our sin, to know we are accepted, loved, and forgiven. Jesus reveals the God who loves the whole world enough to send the Son. And then in light of God's acceptance of us, we can then turn and try to accept each other. When we are connected to each other, we love each other better. This made me think of uh, the platinum rule. Anyone heard of the platinum rule before? It's like the golden rule, but better. And here's why. Most of us have heard of the golden rule, right? Which says, treat somebody as you want to be treated or love someone as you want to be loved, right? The platinum rule takes it a step further. It says, love others as they would have themselves be loved. This kind of love is different. It recognizes that not everyone needs the same thing. And how I need to be shown love is not the same as someone else needs to be shown love. In fact, after the last service, I had a couple come up to me like, oh, thank you for putting a name to that because when I'm having a bad day, my wife just wants to like touch me and like hug me. And I'm like, this is not what I need at this moment. This is what you need at this moment. And I was like, platinum, platinum rule, you guys. This kind of love requires us to know something about the other person in order to be able to love them, right? You can't just give them what you think they need. You need to learn who they are, get to know them, and love them where they're at. That is different than the golden rule. This platinum rule recognizes that Jesus is the vine, but that there is more than one branch connected to it. And just as we are connected to the vine, so are we connected to each other. 
The platinum rule means we have to get to know someone to love them. And a connection like that removes walls and boundaries and categories and divisions better than anything else. It's really easy to put somebody in a category and say you're not going to interact with them because they don't agree with you. I'm preaching this sermon to myself here, you guys, because this is how I roll, right? Love is much easier when we're connected in real life. When we acknowledge how we're different, don't pretend that our experiences and worldviews are exactly the same, but we can at least recognize that we are all created in the image of God and therefore worthy of the loving thing. That sounds hard, but you guys, that is much easier to do because it is easy to love the people you know. It is just easier to show love when you know who they are. So we go from this place where I hope you heard in the text over and over and over again, John saying, God is love, God is love, and you receive it. You are loved, you are loved, you are loved. The word love was used 26 times in 14 verses. John has a big point to make here. Love creates love, creates love, creates love. And you are the first beneficiary of the love today. But love creates love. And so we go from here, hearing that message that you are loved just as you are, just where you're at, with all your flaws and imperfections and the ways you'd like to separate people and go around cutting branches off of the vine because you don't think they belong there. It's really easy to do that. But instead, God says, I love you, I love you, I love you. That's it. And then we get to take this love that comes to us outside of our deserving it and go out into the real world, not the internet world, that's a dangerous place, but the real world to make real life connections with people in our real lives so we can love as we are loved. For God loved us first so we can love each other. We have been called to be salt and light And we have been called to shine in the night We have been called to step up and fight We have been Let us not forget that you are with us, not forget you'll never leave us, even in the storms of life.